This is Cruise Radio. That storm in early December was nasty and it caused a lot of people to miss the ship. Don't let yourself be one of them. Get a travel insurance policy today at tripinsurance.com. Here we go. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. <laughs> this is Cruise Radio. Hey, what's up? My name is Doug Parker. Thanks for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Happy to have you here. We'll get a review of Carnival Paradise today. Also, Shelly from CruisingExcursions.com will answer some of your listener questions about cruising over in Europe. Uh, let's see. Sherry Kennedy standing by with Cruise News. Oh, yes. We revamped the website, CruiseRadio.net. Uh, go over and check it out and tell me what you think. Love to hear your thoughts. Doug at CruiseRadio.net. All right. Sherry is here. Hello, Sherry. Hey, Doug. Carnival Cruise Line doing the cruise ship shuffle again. They sure are. Carnival Cruise Line will position a new and larger ship, rather a newer and larger ship, to Charleston in May of 2019. The Carnival Sunshine is going to move there for year-round four- and five-day cruises, but the shuffle begins. The Carnival Ecstasy, currently sailing from Charleston, is going to relocate to Jacksonville for year-round four- and five-day cruises beginning in May of 2019. And to make room for the Ecstasy, the Carnival Elation, which is currently based in Jacksonville, will then reposition over my area towards Port Canaveral in May of 19 again. And she will also do four- and five-day cruises from here on the Space Coast. And and this is kind of newsworthy. I think they're going to have another one of those um, Carnival Journeys cruises. Mm -hmm. So out of Charleston on the Sunshine, there will be an 11-day Southern Caribbean cruise you know, if you can plan this far ahead, December 3rd through the 14th in, uh, from Charleston. And it's going to include some of my favorite ports, St. Thomas, Aruba, Bonaire, Grand Turk, and Half Moon Key. Mm. So uh, it's exciting news for Charleston. But not exciting for Jacksonville. We're getting another crappy fantasy class ship. Poor old ecstasy, right? Yeah, and you're getting Elation, who we have right now, that just got redone to like a $50 million refurb, which is awesome. But enjoy it while it lasts, folks. Um, (laughs) Carnival also revamping their boarding passes. Uh, Kind of an interesting look. It is. It's really clear and simple to look at. You know, you print it on your computer after you've done your check-in. And basically, it's, uh, it's stated, it has your arrival appointment on it, you know, very fancy, and it gives you a window when they would like you to arrive, for example, between 12 and 12.30 in the afternoon, and it's all about crowd control, as you can imagine, and then adjacent to where it says your arrival appointment, it gives you the final boarding time. In this case, it could be 3 p.m., which means you better be on board by 3 p.m., or you may miss the ship, as they say. Um, It also will have your name, it'll have your stateroom, and this time it'll also include your muster station. So even though it's on a piece of computer paper that you bring to the port, it's nice to have everything all in one place, um, and then you'll get issued your card, your your, your, uh, CPAS card. It was funny, a couple of weeks ago I was having lunch with Scott and Kristen down in Port Everglades before my sailing on um, Holland America's Eurodam, and it's like around 2 o'clock, and I had no clue what time final boarding was, so I was asking um, Scott and Kristen, they're like, I think three. And I'm asking uh, my buddy Scott in Jacksonville. He's like, I think three. So I'm glad they have the final boarding on Carnival. Maybe the other cruise lines will have them on there too. Or maybe I should just be more responsible when it comes to cruise ship embarkation. Well, you know, they keep changing it. They you do. know, if a ship, they do. If a ship sail, you know, in the old days, if it sailed at five, you could show up on the pier with your suitcase at 4.47. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, and then it was two hours ahead of time. And, you know, so, it, yeah, it, I think it's a really nice um, touch to include it 
Because when you see it, when you're handing the paper over, it'll just stick in your memory. Yeah, totally. Uh, so Cruise Critic just announced that MSC Seaside is the cruise ship of the year for them. And um, also MSC announced that they have a christening lineup. And this is a pretty star-studded lineup. It is, and it's, it's really pretty exciting. Um, a lot of it is holdovers from past uh, naming ceremonies, but uh, MSC Cruises just did announce that their lineup for the official launch and naming ceremony of the MSC side, which will be in Port Miami in about a week and a half, will be none other than Ricky Martin, who apparently is still living La Vida Loca. <laughs> and then uh, my personal heartthrob, Andrea Bocelli, will also be performing. Um, and then because uh, MSC Cruises is the official Cruise line for the Miami Dolphins. Dan Marino will be there representing the Dolphins. Okay. And if anyone remembers the old TV show Saved by the Bell, right? Mm -hmm. Mario Lopez is going to be the MC. And as always, the ever glamorous Sophia Loren will be there to christen the ship with a ribbon cutting. And she will officially name the vessel MSC Seaside. And she's also the godmother to many, many other of the MSC cruise ships, the newer ones. That's going to be an awesome event. Holland America's Eurodam just received another 100% on their health score. Good work, huh? It's a great thing. Holland America Line's MS Eurodam just scored its 13th consecutive wow. perfect yeah, 100 score on a recent surprise uh, United States public health inspection. And this is the third perfect score for the Eurodam this year. Hmm. It's continuing the six-year run of perfect scores that's setting records in both company history and in the cruise industry. So, the, you know, that's something to be pretty proud of. It, it, you know, these inspections are unannounced, and this one was held on December 3rd uh, while the ship was doing the turnaround at Port Everglades in Fort Lauderdale. Um, and the score of 100 follows sister ships Koningsdam and Osterdam, who also achieved perfect scores earlier this year. Now, you were talking to, what, someone in the kitchen about what they, what they asked for one time? You were, yes. You were doing a tour of the kitchen, was it, a couple of years ago, and you were asking them about the health inspections? I was, and it was really interesting. Yeah, it was during just, um, just a quick, I was interviewing, I think, the, the chef, the, the executive chef, and, mm -hmm. he, and the, the boarding was delayed because they did a surprise inspection. I said, well, what do they look for? And uh, he, he pointed to different things, and he said, well, a few months ago when they did this, they found a chipped floor tile, and they got marked for that. There could be, I mean, the, the slightest, um, you know, a spoon was too close to something else where it shouldn't be. So they really, for the kitchen part, and they go all around the ship, they do the pools, and they, you know, any, any place, all the public areas, basically. And, uh, but the kitchen, they're really intent and yeah. intensely scrutinizing it. So, um, yeah, they look for these little things that, you know, I might have a chip floor tile in my kitchen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I guess I wouldn't pass inspection, but um, the ship has to. Yeah, totally. Uh, also, uh, on the Holland America line front, their new ship was floated out recently. A coin ceremony was held for Holland America's new Statendam at the shipyard in Italy, and that makes it one step closer to its November launch of next year. And during the event, you know, they do the usual, they, they weld a coin. Usually it's a gold coin to the front of the ship. It's, it's just what they do for good luck. And uh, the, uh, it's interesting because this time they had for, you know how when they christen a ship, like I just said, Sophia Loren is going to be the godmother. When they do this coin ceremony, apparently they have a madrina, 
I never heard of that word before, but that's the person that oversees the coin ceremony. And this time it was a woman named Anna Maria Bartels, and she's she's just a top member with their uh, loyalty program. And okay. she had that honor bestowed on her, which is kind of cool, right? Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Cool. So uh, looking forward. That, that ship's coming out, what, next December? It, yeah, it's going to be floated out December 21st, and uh, it will be the second um, pinnacle class ship in the fleet, and the third's coming out in 2021. Okay. Royal Caribbean reopened up a very famous beach in St. Thomas after Hurricane Irma shut it down for a little while. Yep, they just did. The official reopening ceremony of Megan's Bay in St. Thomas was held last week, and it was a joint effort between the government of the U.S. Virgin Islands and Royal Caribbean. And it's a beautiful stretch of beach, but like you said, it was completely destroyed during Hurricane Irma. Uh, and it actually took three months and 530 new trees to bring the beach back, even close to its original state. Um, they had to replace all the signage, new lifeguard stations, and picnic benches were rebuilt. And they even put up, they, they gathered up all these scraps of wood and some, you know, how walls get blown around. Um, and they made a, an art installation right on the beach. And it, it's supposed to uh, reflect the island's road to recovery after Irma. So, you know, from... Bad comes good, I guess. That's what they say. And the folks that say NCL nickels and dimes you, listen to this story. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, they're raising gratuity charges. And, you know, it's interesting because everyone signs up for NC for Norwegian because of that uh, free at sea, those free perks that they give you depending mm-hmm. on the, the level. So what they've done now is uh, for the ultimate beverage and specialty dining packages, the automatic gratuity has gone up from 18% to 20%, and this is effective immediately. Um, it's not really easy to see, and you, don't, you almost don't even notice it until you're in the final stages of booking, and it shows up in a small print that says, Choice Promo Service Charge in abbreviated letters. So you really have to look carefully to see what um, you're paying for because you are paying something and it's going up in price. So free isn't always free. So 18 to 20% for the beverage and dining gratuities now, right? That's it. Okay. All right. We have a listener question here. If you have a listener question, drop us an email, Doug, at cruiseradio.net. Uh, this one, Sherry, says, Can I change the date on my Carnival Cruise sale date once I put down a deposit? We booked Carnival Horizon while on our last cruise for next summer, but want to switch to an Alaska voyage. Thank you in advance, Beth from San Antonio. Well, Beth, I have good news and, and interesting news. I spoke with Carnival to try to solve this mystery, and what I was told, and I, I did call two different people, and I was on hold for a third, and I gave up, but it depends on what promotions you booked your cruise. So, for example, you said that you did book it while you were on your last cruise, which is always good to do. Um, as long as it's under normal circumstances, which it sounds like it should be, you should be able to make the sailing change to go from your uh, your Carnival Horizon to an Alaska cruise. So it shouldn't be a problem, but, um, and I don't know if you used a travel agent. It sounds like you booked it yourself and didn't refer it to an agent when you returned home. So uh, my best suggestion would be to contact customer service, give them your booking number, and they can look up and make sure it wasn't booked under some promotion where, it, you know, in the teeny tiny print, it says non-transferable. Yeah. And as long as, as long as you can change and transfer it to another sailing, you're good to go. 
Sherry Kennedy from CruiseMaven.com. That'll do it for this week. What do you say, Sherry? I think it's a good one. It's been a busy week. Yeah, it really has. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much. Cruise Radio. Maintaining our global reach. Listen live at CruiseRadio.net. From its rich heritage, picturesque beaches, and unparalleled blue waters, it's no wonder over 7 million people cruise to the Caribbean every year. What do you want to do? Swim with stingrays at Stingray Bay? Go for an island tour? Take a beach break? Or set sail on a catamaran to spend the day snorkeling? Whatever you decide, CruisingExcursions.com has a shore excursion to fit your budget. Cruising Excursions knows your time on the island is limited and that you want to make the most of your day. That's why they have shore excursions up to 60% cheaper than the cruise lines and offer smaller, more personable tours. Find out for yourself. Research and book your next shore excursion at CruisingExcursions.com. For over 42 years, Park West Gallery has introduced over 1.3 million people to find art. Here's what actual customers are saying. I've been collecting with Park West five, six years now. Six years. Nine years. Ten years. Everybody we meet at Park West makes you feel comfortable. You're part of their family. It is an exciting and fun experience. It is enjoyable, uplifting. Park West has been so kind to us. Park West makes us excited to spend money on art. To find out more about Park West Gallery, visit parkwestgallery.com or go to cruiseradio.net and click on the Park West Gallery icon. Want more Cruise Radio? Find a library of over 400 episodes on iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, iTunes, or at cruiseradio.net. Greg just returned from a four-night sailing aboard Carnival Paradise and went to uh, Havana, Cuba from Tampa. Welcome, Greg. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, man. So uh, before we get to the Havana cruise and the Carnival Paradise, I want to take a step back. Uh, What made you want to take this four-night sailing to Cuba? Just that, Cuba. I've been wanting to go to Cuba. Um, I thought it was a great opportunity to kind of get down there early. I didn't know how long this was going to be available. So when, uh, you know, I saw the, the, the availability of it and it worked with my off days, jumped on it. Just curious, because I know Royal Caribbean also sails to Cuba down that way. Are you more of a Carnival Cruise Line cruiser, or uh, are you even a cruiser at all? I'm not a huge cruiser, Mm -hmm. but I've been on enough where uh, I've actually just ended up on Carnival ships more often. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't actually even look at the actual cruise line. What really got me was the itinerary, and this one worked the best. It was an overnight in Cuba, which I really liked. Some of the other itineraries that are offered out of Tampa just spend a long day there, Mm -hmm. but they don't spend overnight. Cool. So uh, you make your way to the cruise pier. How was the embarkation process for you? Pretty smooth. Um, Somewhere along the way, I forgot something in check-in, so I had to fill out a couple extra forms. Um, But because I was coming in with a buddy who flew in the day of, which Mm -hmm. is always risky, we kind of had a later check-in. So by the time we got there, most of the people were already on the ship. So it maybe took, you know, 10 minutes to get everything kind of squared away. And then we just walked right on the ship. Awesome. Now you walked onto Carnival Paradise, so kind of an older ship, like 20 years older. So what were your first impressions of her? I've been on a, uh, I guess, a fantasy class ship uh, like this before. Um, to me, it was fine. You know, it definitely shows its age, mm. but it's almost in a sort of an alluring kind of way. It's almost like a throwback ship, I think, at this point in places. I really liked it. I, I think I think it has a nice little flair to it. You definitely feel like you're uh, on something a little bit older, uh, but it still feels kind of a new and fun at the same time. Cool. What kind of stateroom did you book and what did you think of it? Well, there aren't many options on this ship. So there are just a few balconies and I think they're only attached to the suite. 
suites, which there are very few of. So we had an ocean view uh, stateroom. I prefer to at least be able to see something um, out the window. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the room was fine. You walk in, uh, you know, comfortable bathroom, good enough size to, you know, get around, uh, take a shower easily. Uh, lots of storage. Uh, we didn't have a lot of things. Uh, I went with a friend and um, because the cruise was so short and it was warm, we really had just a couple of small bags. So everything tucked away very easily. Uh, there weren't many outlets, but we had one of those uh, USB yeah. uh, splitters mm-hmm. for our phones, and that's all we had. So uh, it worked out really well. The room was really well, uh, well-sized, well uh, very easy to get around. Switch gears and talk about the food here on Carnival Paradise. Not a lot of food options. You have like the, the buffet area and the main dining room. Mm-hmm. So let's start at the main dining room. What time dining did you have, and what would you think of that? So we did uh, anytime dining, and even though we did anytime, it seems like we were always trying to get there at the same time, and it always seemed to work out that we were there when everybody else wanted to go, that 7.30, 8 o'clock time frame. So uh, the first night we got down there, we were at sea. It was right after we left Tampa. So there was a little bit of a wait, and the first two nights we were seated uh, with uh, just uh, with a group of other people. The other two nights we had our own table. Uh, the, the, the dining experience was good. The food was very good. I thought, you know, it was it was just right. You know, it was not too exciting and maybe not not too uh, not too dull either. I really liked the smaller portion sizes. Kind of allowed you to get more. I had seafood uh, the two nights, the three nights that we ate there, uh, and it was it was very good, very good. What did you think of the service in there? I thought they actually did a really good job. And I think really that's where the whole experience of the ship, I think, really stood out is I think that anywhere we encountered carnival personnel, mm-hmm. they were really good. They knew our name or they recognized us. They knew exactly you know, what we liked, uh, what we didn't like. It just felt like they were really paying attention. And I think uh, that really makes you feel good. Yeah. How about up in the, uh, the, I guess they call it the Lido Deck Buffet on that ship? How was that? It did get uh, busy at times, though. It seemed like you could always uh, sail right through there. And they had more of your typical, you know, hamburgers, hot dogs, tater tots, that type of deal. Uh, they did a Mongolian grill um, on a couple of uh, the times that we were by it. But it was a very easy to get through. And um, yeah, the food there was also really, really good. So on this sailing, it was four days and you had or four nights rather. And you had one overnight in Havana. And that means uh, one sea day, correct? Correct. So the way it worked out is basically as soon as we left Tampa, the ship goes full speed and you get to Havana the next day. It's not really that far. Because of some unfavorable currents, we ended up getting in about two hours late. So uh, we probably docked about noon instead of 10 a.m. and didn't really get off the ship until maybe 1.30 or so. And then we left the next day about noon. So it does give you the overnight and then a chunk of uh, the following day. You were mentioning earlier that you just wanted to beat the uh, the crowd down to Cuba. What did you think of Havana? It was surprising in so many ways. Um, I think I never realized what a large city it is. And approaching Cuba and approaching Havana, all you see is this huge built-up city, a huge coastline of towering condominiums. It very much looks at least when you're approaching it, the newer parts of Havana, like a modern city. I mean, we could have been sailing into Fort Lauderdale or Miami the way it looked from the sea. And then once you actually get into Havana, you realize the ship docks right at old Havana. Mm-hmm. And they really can only get one ship in there at a time. And the reason is, is that it's a natural harbor and it's very narrow. There are fortresses on either side. There's some some rocks and some uh, some elevation. So there's just no way these huge American ships can get through there. And there's really only one dock that 
maybe maybe they can get two ships in there if they wanted to, but it really looks like it can handle just one one dock. And even our ship, which I guess by our modern standards is an older ship, mm-hmm. more than half the ship stuck out beyond the dock. Oh wow! Once you got off the ship and made your way on land, what did you do for the day? So this is where we were kind of unsure about what to do. So we did we did the safe route because you know there are requirements mm-hmm. to get uh, to to visit Cuba for Americans. So we did an excursion by Carnival that satisfies all the requirements from the U.S. government. Um, so we met a tour guide. It was a little. Um, it was a little disorganized at first. There were a lot of people getting off, and because we got into port very late, the excursions were cut short. So we only, instead of having you know six hours, we had something like four, maybe even three and a half, really, by the time all was said and done. So it did feel a little rushed. Uh, we met our tour guide. We took a, we got on a bus. We went to see a, a fortress. They talked about the history of the city. We went to, um, uh, then got back to the sh- towards the the cruise port, and then the rest of it was on foot, uh, walking around Old Havana, seeing some um, some uh, squares and some buildings of importance. And then the last thing we did, uh, and this was, I guess, part of the cultural requirement, is that we were taken to a local theater mm-hmm. where we watched a modern Cuban dance group perform for about forty-five minutes. Okay. Now, this was an overnight sailing. So, like, how was the overnight scene? It was actually very interesting. So the ship then turns into a hotel and the customs area is open twenty four seven. So you basically once you get through the initial passport control, it's on and off the ship. You show your passport and you're on and off. Uh, it takes maybe two minutes to get through through that immigration process. It was very interesting. We actually got on and off the ship several times uh, that first night. And there are parts of old Havana that are lit up with life and where there are cafes on the street and there's people drinking and dancing and and, and smoking cigars, of course. Mm -hmm. But then there are other parts um, of old Havana where there's no light and there are still people running around and walking around and and sitting on their doorsteps. Uh, But it definitely feels uh, very authentic. It definitely feels like, like old Havana. And we went for that. We really enjoyed it. It was one of those places where it was very easy to get lost in, in a good way. And even though some places were dark and some of the portions of the street were, were not well lit, it still felt very safe, which I can't say for other places I visited outside the United States. So it was it was a very good experience. When it comes to booking a Cuba cruise, did you have to pay any kind of like registration fees or additional taxes? Yes. So I thought the price for the cruise was already kind of more than you would pay for this length of a cruise. And then there's a $75 um, visa fee that you pay. And that does not get tacked on until your final bill, where all your your tips and all that come in at the very end. So you'll see an extra $75 charge uh, to get the visa, uh, which they give you on board. It's a little card. You fill out your name, your passport number, I think, and your birthday. And basically, you hand that to the immigration officer as you're making your way on shore the first time. So if someone wanted to go to Cuba, at least on Carnival Cruise Line, they like handle the visa and all that for you. You don't have to get anything like in advance. Correct. No, okay. there's nothing to do. That they handle everything. And that's why I, I chose the cruise to get down there because it was so easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the visas are in your room waiting when you come on board. Uh, they basically assume that everyone's going to uh, disembark. And uh, yeah, they just tell you to fill it in and uh, guide you down to immigration. So you leave Havana, make your way back towards Tampa. You had a sea day. How was the ship um, on your sea day as far as like crowds and congestions around the ship? 
We had about, a, I guess, a day and a half almost because we left at noon. I don't know whether it's the time of year that I sailed, which was uh, late September, or whether it was just the ship, which I guess doesn't hold a lot of people, but the ship absolutely never felt crowded. And the sea days were beautiful. They were sunny. They were hot. And there was lots of room, mm-hmm. whether it was the adult area in the back of the ship or the main deck. There were always chairs available, whether it was a chess game or miniature golf that you wanted to play or just get in the pool. It never felt like other ships that I've been on yeah. where you're fighting for space or having to save space. It always felt like there was space um, on the ship. The one thing I have to say about the sea day is that it is kind of a created sea day mm-hmm. because the ship basically from Havana takes the same path back at about half the speed, <laughs> if not even slower. Yeah. So you just crawl your way back to Tampa for a day and a half. That's like going to um, like Freeport, Bahamas out of Florida. It's like, okay, we got down here overnight, but you're going to take a day and a half to get back, really? <laughs> yeah, it, it was, it was, and then, you know, and because I went there for the port and not as much yeah. the ship. Because let's face it, I mean, the ship isn't, this isn't a very exciting ship. Mm-hmm. It was a little frustrating. Though, you know, a lot of people around me really enjoyed sitting in the sun and, and taking an easy day. Uh, but because we were going so slow in the sun, we tried to lay out there during the middle of the day. Yeah. Uh, man, it was too hot and there was no wind. The ship was going so slow. <laughs> I mean, there was no wind to cool you down. So we ended up spending a lot of the, the middle of the day doing other things. What did you think of the entertainment offered on board? It was a lot of fun. We um, we didn't do uh, the Hasbro game show, which they had on, but we did do all three of the shows that were offered, the variety shows. Those were a lot of fun. They were really well produced. The singing was great. Uh, it was very entertaining. We always did a later show. Um, one tip there is if you want a decent uh, seat, and we learned this the first night, you got to get there early. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's just one main theater on this ship. So if you want to see something and you want to get a good seat, 30 minutes early is actually not a bad idea to get down to the theater to make sure that, you know, you can see very well. Wow. Okay. Nice. Is the entertainment, is it Cuban themed or is it just like regular cruise ship, like playlist production shows, like Vegas No, no. Style? So, so the, the first night there was a Cuban themed uh, variety show with music and, and Cuban music and Cuban dancing mm-hmm. and uh, the Cuban costumes. And then um, on the way back, uh, there was also a, uh, a Cuban dance party. Okay. Uh, that the crew put on for everybody up on the Lido deck. That was a blast. They brought um, some of the performers from the show up onto the stage up at the top deck. They gave out little Cuban paper flags and maracas and hats. It had a lot of energy and a lot of people were into it and people were dancing and singing. It definitely had a Cuban flair. You could, you could tell and, and the crew really tried to make it seem like like this is a, this is a special cruise. This wasn't just something, you know, that they do all the time. Yeah. The cruise director on Carnival Paradise is pretty awesome, too. Was it Jamie D on yours? Yeah, she was amazing. Yeah. She had so much energy and she she was always <laughs> she always kind of pumped you up to get out there and join. She made everything that was going on in ship seem amazing. And yeah. and you know we we did. We went to we went to this party because we were hearing her talk about it over the intercom and it turned out to be a lot of fun. Awesome. Well, you make your way back to Tampa. How was uh, the disembarkation process? So this was interesting. You know, I was kind of concerned because the the regulations state that you are supposed to have these specific activities for every single day that you're on in Cuba. So if you're there for over two days, you're supposed to have uh, everything twice, these cultural exchanges, person-to-person exchanges. Um, and it turns out that when you do come back to the United States, the only thing you really go through is just U.S. Customs passport control. Okay. So basically, um, you know, you get off the ship. We did. We just got off on our own. We didn't, you know, um, wait. We just 
disembarked by by ourselves. Um, there was a little bit of a wait in line. Um, they didn't have as many booths open, but all they do is just look at your passport and uh, scan it and then just welcome you home. Looking back over this four-night cruise, do you have any tips you'd like to share, whether it be something with currency converge or anything like that for your sailing? Yes, actually. So it turns out that in Cuba, uh, they do use two currencies. There's one for the Cuban people, and then there's one for tourists. Americans pay an extra fee for changing dollars, and it's a 10% tax. Someone actually told me this tip earlier in the summer, and I was fortunate enough to be in Europe in August, Mm -hmm. and I saved about 100 euros. And that ended up being one of the best decisions I could make because not only did I not pay the conversion fees, I also got a much better exchange rate on euros than American dollars. So if there's anyone planning on going to Cuba and you've got a chance to get euros or maybe even, you know, I checked with my bank if I wanted to ahead of time, they could have just sent me euros here in the United States. I could have for a small fee just received the euros at home and gone to Cuba with euros. But that is the way to go. And then because once you're there, it's cash only. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes you're dealing with people and they don't have, you know, a square machine to swipe your credit card or credit cards don't work. So you've got to have cash. And I would I would bring more than you think you will, because um, there are there are a lot of things that you can buy and bring back. What are your final thoughts of Carnival Paradise? I think the ship is great. I think uh, it's a lot of fun. I like the smaller, more intimate feel of the ship. Uh, It never felt crowded. It is getting a little older, but it is also going through a uh, dry dock, I believe, in February. And the crew was very excited when we were disembarking to tell us that there's going to be a lot of improvements coming. So I'm I'm excited to actually go back on the ship when it comes back to Tampa uh, to see what they add there, if if they do add anything. Uh, The one thing that maybe was a little disappointing is that I hear you talk about all these dining options on other carnival ships Mm -hmm. and this one just doesn't have that so it's basically the main dining room or the buffet which are fine but i wish they had some of those new improvements and hopefully they'll add those coming up in the winter yeah in february they're supposed to be adding uh, at least a guy's burger joint and blue iguana cantina on there so that'll be a and and that would make me go back you know And, and and probably to cuba again i feel like even this overnight was definitely not enough this was one of the favorite places i've ever been to period uh let alone on a cruise ship Awesome. Well, Greg, thanks for sharing your experience on your four-night sailing to Havana from Tampa, man. Thank you. You're listening to Cruise Radio, part of the iHeartRadio Talk Network. We always enjoy answering your shore excursion questions here on this show. If you have one you'd like to ask, drop me an email, Doug, at cruiseradio.net. Fielding today's questions is Shelly from cruisingexcursions.com. Hi, Shelly. Hi, Doug. How are you? Very good, thank you. The first question comes from Lee, sailing uh, Carnival Horizon next April out of Barcelona, and questions about Livorno, Naples, Rome, and Dubrovnik. Any suggestions are appreciated. Oh, how exciting. First month of sailing into some wonderful sort of Mediterranean destinations, so quite jealous, and uh, many people are on that particular sailing. It's going to be very exciting. Um, three of the must-sees, um, for any Mediterranean sailing, including the Carnival Horizons next April, is sort of Civitavecchia, Naples, and Livorno. And there are three reasons why. They're very sort of, um, you know, long distances away from the port. Not something that you can easily do and have a walk around by yourself once you've left the port area because you have got journey times of around an hour and a half. And along with our guarantees and being able to see the main highlights of the area, um, you know, it just makes it that little bit safer for you. And to be able to make sure that, you know, you're looking at the main cities without having too much stress. 
also for Livorno, for those of um, you know the cruising passengers that have travelled to Livorno before, we've got new tours as well. So this year, this summer and spring, we've got a wide variety of small group tours. Mm-hmm. So that even if you've been there before and seen the main, you know, Pisa and Florence. You're able to go and do something a little bit different, visit a Tuscan winery, have a little bit of a lunch, have a carriage journey, or maybe do it on a smaller a smaller group size so that you can have that dedicated time with the guide to ask those in-depth questions that you've got. So Livorno is one of those popular ones. And then you go along as well to Naples, which, you know, obviously is one of the main highlights on the sailing. And that's purely because who doesn't want to go to Italy and not see Pompeii? So for those of you that have been to see Pompeii before, you can do it this year with a small group tour with a different kind of twist. So you'll have lunch at um, the Mount Vesuvius, so beautiful vineyard, having lunch over to see Pompeii and Vesuvius in the background. So whether you want to go to have a walk around Pompeii itself or whether you just want to explore Naples as a city or want to do something that little bit different, you know, we do have everything, you know, for you there. And then Rome, massive attraction, Uh, you know, Trevi Fountain, our essential collection tours, fit everything in that you could possibly want to see from the Vatican City to the Vatican Museum, uh, the Pantheon, the Trevi Fountain. And for those of you that have been there before as well, highlight small luxury tours that we have so that you can have dedicated time to go inside of the Colosseum or do your own thing uh, whilst being driven around uh, by, uh, you know, your driver guide rather than with a large group shared tour that you may have done before. So lots of different things in um, the Italian ports of call uh, for 2018. And um, one of the other main attractions for the sailing out of those ports of call is of course Dubrovnik um, becoming very very popular because of Game of Thrones Um, everyone's kind of on the Game of Thrones bandwagon right now and a lot of the sort of backgrounds to the movie scenes you will see on our panoramic Dubrovnik and City tour you'll have chance to be able to either go to Kavtat we do a half day tour to Kavtat which is very beautiful or you're able to go into Dubrovnik City itself and explore the walls, have a four-hour tour with your guide, and perhaps even spend some time in the main city afterwards and make your own way back to port. So whether you want to go back on ship or whether you want to spend time in Dubrovnik, you can do. So lots and lots to see on um, the Carnival Horizon uh, for April 2018, and lots and lots to experience and do. You know, it's funny, you're mentioning uh, Game of Thrones. When I was there over the summer... um in Dubrovnik, uh, on the city mm-hmm. walls. Uh, one of the tour guides is like, and this is where so-and-so stood on the step and swung the sword. And everyone's like, <laughs> oh my gosh. And then there was, next thing you know, there's like 100 people wanting to take a photo on that step that this character stood on. And I was like, wow. I don't watch Game of Thrones, so I wasn't really all into it, but you could tell the people who watch Game of Thrones, they, they love them some Dubrovnik. Yes, they can't get enough yeah. of Dubrovnik, so you yeah, absolutely must go there. Roberta has the next question. She said she's sailing on Royal Caribbean's Freedom of the Seas in July and wants to know about Marseille and Villa France. Well, two very beautiful um, sort of French ports of call to go and visit. Um, again, a little bit further away, uh, if you do want to go out and experience some of the French countryside away from the port area. So for Marseille in particular, 
although it has got, you know, a beautiful harbour, which it is well famed for, um, you can experience that in the afternoon and go that little bit further afield on our essential collection um, Axon Provence tour. This will take you out into the countryside so that you can see and have a beautiful panoramic drive, um, very famed for sort of beautiful rolling countryside and sort of lavender, very typically French um, in feel, and go to Axon Provence, um, the main town there. And it's got sort of a very quaint edge to it, uh, nice, uh, courtyards within the city, lovely fountains, beautiful flowers. So you have a walking tour, maybe spend some time having a coffee, maybe you know grabbing a croissant, doing a little bit of people watching and shopping. So it gives you that little bit of a different feel to the main bustle of the harbour area of Marseille, which if you want to, you can experience in the afternoon before heading you know back to the ship. Um, of your own accord. So I would definitely recommend um, going that bit further afield away from the harbour whilst in Marseille. And then for Villefranche, um, we also have uh, a couple of options. So it depends on how you like your hustle and bustle and your groups. We have a Monte Carlo, Monaco and Ez tour, which is seven hours long. And you would be able to go over and see all of the famous highlights, such as, you know, the Grand Prix circuit, um, the cathedral um, of, you know, Monaco, and all of the top pop spots that, you know, France is typically famous for when you're seeing, you know, film festivals, gala events, and all of these beautiful, you know, movie scenes in the casino. Well, there's your chance to be able to go experience it and take photographs of that yourself. And we also have that on a small group option as well, which would run on smaller numbers, giving you that little bit extra time in each of the different places, um, rather than feeling that little bit too rushed uh, sometimes. Or if you're that little bit slower of a walker, then I definitely recommend the small group, um, you know, option for whilst in Villefranche. I didn't think I would be a fan of markets, but in Provence, uh, the markets were so awesome. They're so quaint, aren't they? I mean, you can buy, you know, some beautiful pottery and then a chicken. Mm. It's ever so bizarre. It's really strange, but also really enjoyable because it's not something that you see every day. You know, we go to big shopping malls, we go to huge chains, and in France, they don't have those. So Mm -hmm. you have got the little independent boutiques and, you know, the individual shop owners that want to have a chat with you, and it's just a lovely experience. Totally. I love that city. Last question. Sailing NCL and looking for recommendations on the following. Couture, Mykonos, and Santorini. I'm traveling with eight-year-old twins. So for Couture, I think it's actually a really interesting destination to travel with children because it is something that's very, very different. Um, It's a UNESCO heritage site that you would actually visit. So um, quite unique to the area and all very protected. Uh, Everything is listed buildings and something really unique to be able to see and teach your children. With it being a four-hour tour as well, it keeps their attention. So, you know, you haven't got big, long journeys on a bus, um, but you're able to show them this beautiful um, sort of peninsula that's jutted off, completely independent, that used to be a fortress to protect the whole of the country, uh, now famous for artists and there's lots of painters lining the streets, beautiful little um, harbours there with fishing boats, Uh, It's just so, so beautiful. And then you can go over as well to see um, Svetistafan, which is 
very, very popular for very, very rich people to holiday. has some beautiful views. So you've got the likes of George Clooney, Madonna, each summer, you know, going to this particular spot. So definitely worthwhile. Um, four and a half hours as well. So still that family time to spend on board in the afternoon if you wanted to. But getting out and seeing a little bit of what that beautiful area of the world has to offer, you know, that you don't get to see every day. So definitely, definitely recommend uh, Budva and Sveti Stefan tour, which is an essential collection tour. And then you move over to Mykonos. Um, for anyone that's ever kind of seen those typical Greek postcards uh, with featuring the windmills, that's the island and that's the port of call where you will actually get the chance to see those and it includes a beach visit as well so you know you can have a little bit of downtime as a family which the kids all love at the end of the day who doesn't like splashing uh you know in the waves mm. for a little bit and then by the time you're getting um you know a little bit tired of the beach you're able to go back to the port so you'll have a walking tour of Mykonos which is really interesting able to take all those lovely photographs by these whitewashed thatched windmills and then also over to the Mykonos beach and the monastery as well so lovely mixed very easy going um you know excursion that the children will love and that's the Mykonos tour and beach visit for over in Mykonos and then moving on to Santorini um I personally find that my children love anything exhilarating and um, the cable car over in Santorini is certainly that. So its unique location of Santorini um, enables you to have some beautiful views as you go up the cliff after you get off your tender um, to the meeting point of the tour and um, kind of like a ski lift if you've not seen the cable car before and um, then you're able to go and join your tour so you'll see all the typical whitewashed buildings with you know blue roofs very very picturesque very gorgeous have a little bit of time to do some shopping as well uh, see scenic oya uh, fira and also what it's best famed for is its local wine tasting and um, so you'll go over to a winery as well children don't need to drink that but it's still very interesting for around 30 minutes um so that's that's where the parents get to be happy We've been talking with Shelly from CruisingExcursions.com. If you have a question to ask, Doug at CruiseRadio.net. Thank you, Shelly. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you a peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Cruise Radio is produced weekly at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Hear Cruise Radio on iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, iTunes, or at CruiseRadio.net. For sales and marketing opportunities, email sales at CruiseRadio.net.
I'm your announcer.